0: uh, This morning will be in the book of Revelation. Uh, The book of Revelation chapter 3. I'll go ahead and say this. It's not a book that I usually ask very often to turn to. uh, Revelation Uh, is very hard for a lot of people to understand it. uh, But hopefully using God's word today we'll be able to apply uh, the scripture of Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 if you would. Uh, please stand to pay reverence for the reading of God's Word, Revelation 3, verse 20. The Word of God says this, As behold, I stand at the door, knock, if any man hear my voice, and open the door, I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together this morning. We, we thank you for your peace, your love, your joy. We thank you for our, our country and our, our independence, Lord. We We thank you for... Uh, The many blessings you've placed in our life. And Lord Father, right now I just ask that you'll help us to uh, use the scripture you've impressed upon our hearts. Just continue to lead God and direct. And Lord, I I thank you for my home in heaven. I thank you for saving a a lost sinner soul like me. And uh, continue to watch over our church and our community. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Now uh, you can be seated. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, what we've read, uh, we, we follow up on the very last church that Paul is writing to the seven churches of Asia. And you know we could uh, we could really preach that for a long time, but I I didn't see the need to. So I just want to cover uh, real quickly what's going on in these letters to the churches. Now, when he's writing these letters to the churches, what Paul, what uh, John, excuse me, what John is trying to do is trying to help them uh, understand some things. He goes through a lot of the things that are going on. God knew uh, that the members of Ephesus uh, had lost their first love. And he writes about how they had lost their first love and how they were neglecting uh, to do certain things. And he also wrote about the tribulation and the poverty of those that in Smyrna, what they were facing in verse 9 of chapter 2. uh, God was aware of the martyrdom of Antipas and and Pergamos and the severe persecution that was going on in the church there. We'll see that in verse 13 of chapter 2. Uh, God knew that some in Thyatira uh, had been deceived by a woman called Jezebel. Uh, We see that in verse 20 of chapter 2. Two and verse th- uh, chapter three, verse one. Uh, uh, you learn that the uh, uh, the church in Sardis had become dead in the sense that they had lost their zeal. Uh, God knew that the members of the church of Philadelphia had little strength, and it's, they say it says clearly that they denied His name in verse eight. Now, we get down to the last church, and most of us know this church has been preached, my goodness, almost every other revival that you've ever been to. It seems like they preached this church, and they talk about uh, the Laodiceans. Now, uh, God saw that they had a lukewarm spiritual attitude. They were lukewarm. He said that, I will spew you out. I'd rather you be hot or cold. Now, the important thing to understand, we get down to the very last church that, that John is writing about here. And the overall lesson that needs to be seen of these seven churches is not really that that they 're being called out on their sin or, or not really that certain things are going wrong what we we really want to gather from these seven churches is that God knows and God understands what is going on in the church house. God understands the problems that the church faces and He knows the situations that we 're going through. Uh, Lord, help us if we think we 're alone, Lord, help us if we think there 's no way past uh, uh, the spiritual integrity or or the situations or false teachers. Uh, a lot of churches don't ever see an out, but I want you to realize God knows what we're going through. He knows what we're, we're having to sacrifice. He knows the difficulties. And the same way that Paul writes to the churches, the same way that, that Paul writes is the same way that we see John writing from the Isle of Patmos. It is not really to tear them down, but the same way Paul lifts them up is the same way that John tries to lift up these churches. Now, he tries to lift them up and point them to Christ's return. He tries to lift them up and... And help them to focus on heaven, uh, to focus on spiritual things. Now, uh, there's a lot of people that have an idea uh, about how the Book of Revelation is wrote. Now, I, I don't have a big opinion of it, uh, uh, but there's some people that see this uh, as churches through the church age, and uh, each church that Paul is writing, uh, excuse me, that John is writing to, uh, uh, ends up being a certain era in time. Now, uh, uh, you can have that opinion, and you can say that, hey, it was churches that was writing then and there and uh, churches of Asia is particularly the churches that was in the area that is known as Turkey now. Uh, uh, but to help you think of something, it doesn't matter if it was future. It doesn't matter if it was right then. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was past. Uh, what we need to know is that God understands and knows what's happening in the churches that are calling upon his name. Uh, uh, churches that are found on Jesus Christ, uh, God knows what's going on in that church. Now, That gives me peace, that gives me comfort to know that, hey, the church uh, may not be able to fix itself. And I'll tell you, the church cannot, if you've got problems in it, they cannot fix it themselves. God has to fix it. Uh, Jesus has to fix it. His Spirit has to fix it. We can't do it on our own. And as we see uh, uh, with this Scripture today, uh, we know that He understands what's wrong with the church. Now... We know what's wrong with those churches, as as John writes, but we also see something that are teachings from each church. Now, if you read them, and you read them only with one mindset, you'll read through it and say, this is this problem, just like I've already read off. They had this problem, they had this problem, they had this problem. But if you slow down and really look at it in a different way, we see that, no, God is showing them this. Because they need to hear it. Uh, When you go to the Church of Ephesus at the beginning of chapter two, what God is trying to say is, don't lose your love. Don't lose your love for God's truth. Don't lose your love for God's people. When it gets to the Church of Smyrna, He isn't focusing on their poverty, even though He calls it out. He tells them to remain faithful, even though they face certain circumstances. He gets to the Pergamos, and I'm sorry if I pronounce that wrong, but he gets to Pergamos or Pergamos, and he tells them to resist. Satan's influence, even to death if they have to. In Thyatira, he tells them to resist false teachers. It's not really focusing on the negative to each one. He tells them certain things to look for. In Sardis, he tells them, don't neglect the things you've learned. Be zealous. Stand stand strong. In Philadelphia, he tells them to persevere and walk through the doors that God opens. And then we get to the one that we're focusing a little bit on today in Laodicea. He says, don't become lukewarm about God's way of life. Don't become lukewarm. Now, what we're looking at is addressing 100% on the church of Laodicea. It's the lukewarm church. Their spiritual attitude was off, and they were completely misunderstanding of what Jesus was in their lives. It even goes on in that chapter... Talking about gold and talking about their wealth and talking about all the things that were going on in their life. But before we get to the verse that we read today, it says something very interesting to me to the church of Laodicea. Laodicea, it says, As many as I love, if you back up one verse from the scripture that we started with, it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And I really had to spend some time looking at that and seeing that as a warning from God. And, and I want you to know something. If there's any particular verse out of the book of Revelation, and there's a lot of them that mean a lot of things to a lot of people, uh, but if you maybe want to circle that verse or highlight it, uh, and maybe even stick it in your car somewhere when you go places or stick it in your home, uh, but to look at this and say, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now, uh, what I see God trying to tell us with that piece of Scripture is, Hey, I love you but I ain't afraid to whoop your rear end. (laughs) That's what God's trying to tell us. Now, that that may not sound real nice, but that's pretty much what God is trying to show us. He loves us, but He ain't afraid to get you straight. Uh, God loves us, but He ain't afraid to step in and correct you. I love my little old boy, I ain't afraid to step in there and straighten him up if he needs it. Hey, he probably needs it a lot more than I give him. As a church house today, uh, uh, God loves us, uh, uh, but praise the Lord, he probably don't whoop us uh, as much as we need whooping. Uh, and sometimes when we get that whooping, and it's been a while, but we think he hates us so bad, don't we? We think God's done turned his back on us uh, uh, because we done got whooped uh, for something what we've done uh, for two or three months. We should have got whooped a long time ago. Ain't you know that God is loving? God is forgiveful. God God gives us grace, but my goodness, it says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I love you, but I'll whoop you. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Be after Him. You need to understand that God loves us, but understand that God's going to get after you if you don't do what He asks you to do. He tells that to this church. Then, after He makes that statement, He follows up with what we've read today. It says, Behold. Now, when I read behold, I I like to think I looked up that word in a few different ways. It can mean certain things. But in so many ways, what he's trying to say is, Hey, look. Hey, look. And I, and I, I I automatically think of the times that I have backslidden, the times that I have made mistakes, which is weekly, if not daily, that I make mistakes. But... I I love, as many as I love, I repuke and chasten, and be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, hey look church, hey look people, if you're slipping, if you're sliding, if things don't seem to be going right, what does it say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, no matter what kind of problems the church is facing, he knows what's going on. Uh, he knows the problems that the church is facing. And I, I think La- Laodicea here, I, I think that it may be one of the worst ones out of the seven. And we can argue that whatever, but it's, it's in bad shape, okay? It's in bad shape spiritually to serve the Lord. And he says, hey, I stand at the door and I knock. Now what does that mean uh, to so many Christians? Number one, it means that, hey, he's there. He's standing at the door. He's there waiting on us. And immediately as I thought about this, I thought about going to somebody's home and visiting them. Especially when you come and visit somebody unannounced. Now, I don't know about y'all, but y'all visit me unannounced. I'm probably going to answer the door with a gun, (laughs) or I ain't going to answer the door at all. Because I don't know who's at the door. I don't know who they are, but think of yourself on the other side of the door visiting that person. We want to put ourselves in God's shoes just for a minute. He's there looking for us. He says He stands at the door and He knocks. Now, a lot of us are in such bad shape that number one, uh, we don't want to go to the door and open that thing up because we don't want to be called out on our problems or our sins. Uh, But hey, uh, we may be ashamed of what our house looks like. Uh, We may be ashamed of what the kids have done Uh, the same way the church is. Uh, We become ashamed. Uh, We become regretful when we know that God is standing at the door and uh, uh, He's knocking, and so many times, we don't want to answer. Amen. So, Lord, we don't want you to come into our life right now. We've got a mess. Uh, Lord, we've we've got to do some picking up. Lord, uh, come back in 15 minutes. Uh, Lord, hey, give me a call if you're gonna come by. Uh, the church at Laodicea, you know, they, they were in so many heartaches, so many bad places, and he wants to remind them behold, hey. Look, church, I'm in the same place I've always been. I might have left, but I'm just outside the door. All you have to do is come on. He says, behold, I stand at the door, and I like it even better. He knocks. Ain't that good to know that he ain't just standing at the door? Now, if you go to my house and you stand at the door, with my kid's running around with dogs barking and all this kind of mess. I don't know if somebody's at the door. So many times we say, God's with us. God will be with you all the way. And He will. But we leave Him at the door. We don't bring Him in with us. We leave Jesus at the door. When we're making big decisions at home. When we're going through life. When we're going through heartache. When we're going through a struggle. Like each seven churches are going through struggles of some sort. We leave God at the door. He says, behold, I stand at the door. And what? He's knocking. Why? Why? Why do you knock on somebody's door when you go to their house? So they know you're there. That's why you knock on people's doors. Why did Jesus knock on that door? Hey, Jesus is knocking on that door so you know He's there. He's reminding you, that little knock, that little bit, That little bit of knocking at that door reminds me that somebody's at that door. It lets me know how many of you have been through life, been through heartache, been through despair, and you had something in your life that you felt the presence of an almighty God. I'd like to think that that began with a little knock. God was standing at that door. God was waiting. God was standing. If you turn back to a time before you were saved by God's grace, uh, I, I couldn't recall a time. It wasn't a physical knock, but I remember uh, God pulling on those old heartstrings of mine. Uh, uh, he, I knew He was there. He was knocking. But I didn't open up. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Sometimes He tries to get your attention. He goes on to say this. If any man hear my voice. And I really had to back up a couple times. And try to figure out what he's trying to say. You may, you may know this Bible back and forth. Sometimes I got to stop and slow down. He said he was knocking. But at this point he says if any man hear my voice. He didn't say nothing about talking to begin with. I want you to know. That, <laughs> he's going to stand at the door and knock. But this, as you show up and you know somebody's at home, what you going to do? I'm going to do it. I'm going to give up on knocking. I'm going to start shouting your name. I'm going to say, hey. I know you're home. Hey, I'm at your door. Come on out and answer the door. I've got something for you. I've got to see you. I've got to spend time with you the same way. I, hey, I want you to know, if I go to your house and I start a, a shouting at your door, probably something's wrong with me. But, praise the Lord. Guess what? When Jesus comes to the door, when God shows up in your life, He's going to stand at the door. He's going to knock and praise God. If any man hear my voice, He's going to go call you out by name. There ain't a sweeter sound in this world than Jesus calling out your name. I'll tell you right now, church, there's no better feeling to know that Jesus cares about you. If you think that all your problems are beneath Him, you're wrong. We see these seven churches that John is writing about And he's addressing the problems. He's showing a a teaching moment. And then at the very last church, I find it so appropriate that he uses the last church as this example that he stands at the door and he knocks. And if any man hear my voice, and what does it say? And open the door. Y'all realize it don't say that when I open the door. It doesn't say that when God opens the door. But when you hear my voice, And they open the door. Praise the Lord. He wants you to let Him in. I come visit you. I may stand on your porch. I may do this or do that. But a lot of times people want to be told to come on in. Jesus is asking you to welcome Him into your life. I don't care if you saved this morning. A lot of you left God at the door. Okay? Okay? I don't care what kind of situation you're in in life. You may be the closest to God you've ever been. But a lot of times, we are leaving God at the door. These are established churches. These are churches that a lot of them are flourishing. The church at Laodicea, I believe they were very well off, doing very well. I don't know the picture to paint of this church or what it looked like. But when God showed up on the scene, it says, Hey, I stand at the door and I knock. There was something missing in their lives. If any man hear my voice and open the door, it says, I will come into him. All you have to do is open the door. That's it. He don't ask you to do a whole lot of anything else. He doesn't say to prepare a meal. It says in fact it doesn't say anything about it. It says, Behold, I stand at the door, it says, and open the door, and I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It doesn't say anything about you getting in the kitchen to cook. It doesn't say about you working after he gets in there. He just says to open the door, and I'll come in, and I will sup with you. Praise the Lord. I will come into him, and I will sup with him. He'll spend quality time with you. He'll spend time with you. He'll nourish you. He'll pick you up. And even beyond that, you will sup with him. He won't just hang out with you. You're going to hang out with him we are going to spend quality time with the Lord. Now, we like to think that God is after us, that God wants to spend time with us, but beyond that, we should have we should want to spend time with Him. He stands at the door and He knocks. Now, what we gather is very simple. What we gather is so simple that we need to understand that these churches were in some of the worst, and this one right here, uh, by far, was probably in some of the worst condition of any of them, They're considered lukewarm, and God spews them out, but He reminds them of what? He reminds them that He knows what they are. He reminds them that He knows where they are, and He also wants to know where He is. Church, I know where you are, but I'm right here. Today, church, families, Christians today, you may think that you know where you are spiritually, and I want you to know God knows where you are spiritually, too. But God wants you to know where he is. He stands at the door. If you've gotten away from God, all you got to do is go back to the door. All you have to do is listen. All you have to do is call upon the name of an almighty God. We, we Christians today, we, 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 we like to put levels of sin and levels of struggles that we have been separated from God. But I want you to know something. That ain't, that ain't nothing. We, we've built an illusion of how far we can get away from God. And it says very, very plainly in multiple places, especially right here. He stands at the door and knocks. He's right there. If you think you've gotten away, if you think you've gotten so far away from God, you're wrong. If you think that God cannot save you, you are wrong. If you think that he does not stand at the door and knock, you are wrong. He does. He stands at the door and he knocks, he's right there. He is calling you by name. He's knocking on the door, and praise the Lord. Guess what? If you hear it, all you gotta do is answer it. A lot of you are ashamed to answer that door. This is your ashamed to answer that door when friends come over. I can I can pledge to that. You're ashamed to answer the door when God calls. The good thing about God and when you let him in the door, he'll go up and pick up all the mess. You ever had a friend come over and pick up all your mess? That don't happen very often. Well, how good would that feel? To have such a mess you couldn't you couldn't clean it up, you're ashamed of it, and all you have to do is answer that door and let somebody in, they're gonna fix everything when they walk in the door. Imagine that this morning. He'll come in and He'll fix your problems. As they uh, get a verse of some song ready today. If in your life things are, are not what they should be, if you have problems, and guess what we all do? We have problems. We go through heartaches. We go through despair. If you feel like sometimes something is missing, He's there. You might be feeling a tug at your heart right now. You may be uh, hearing a spiritual tap at that heart uh, saying, Let me come in, calling you by name. And I don't know everybody's heart, and I don't know everybody's life. But I do know this I do know that He stands at the door and He knocks. I do know that.